Welcome to Ensuring Success, the podcast that takes you on a journey to unlock the keys of achieving not just fleeting victories, but sustainable and fulfilling success. This is Ensuring Success. Welcome back to another episode of Ensuring Success. I'm your host, Natalie Crawford, and I'm joined today by Mike Boz, Regional President of Property and Casualty South Division. He started his journey with Houchins Insurance Group over 25 years ago as an intern and is now an integral part of our senior leadership team. Thank you, Mike, for joining us today. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. So we're going to get into your journey shortly, but before we begin, we will start with our staple question for all of our guests. How do you define success for yourself? And then in turn, how do you ensure that you achieve it and maintain it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so for me... The definition of success is um, I look at it through a couple different lenses number one I look at it through the lens of our people um, because success is not about me it's about the people here it's about the people that we lead and we have influence over so number one are they growing are they growing personally are they growing professionally or are they are they developing into the best version of themselves if you will because to me it's more it's about more than just business and insurance. It's about who they are and how are they growing uh, personally. Um, are they challenged and fulfilled at work? And that, to me, makes a successful uh, vocation if you feel challenged, mm-hmm. if you feel fulfilled. And, and then really the last thing is are they serving well and embodying our mission, vision, and values? And if those things are all met, I'd say that's a good definition of success. For the organization, it's pretty simple. It all kind of boils down to, are we in proper alignment? So across all facets of our organization, are we moving cohesively uh, towards our end goal, whatever that may be? But those goals are also measurable through our KPIs. Are we achieving, you know, are we writing the new business we're supposed to? Is our retention level at the minimum standard we expect? Um, Are we hitting our growth targets? Uh, How are we doing on our measurables of best places to work? So... Um, that's really how I define success. Uh, how do I ensure success? Um, to me, it's about discipline, mm-hmm. really, and um, doing the things every day I know that I have influence over to affect positive outcomes in our people and in our organization. Right. That's awesome. What do you think about that? I like it. I like it. Easy enough. All right. So I've got here, you started in Houchins Insurance Group in 1997 mm-hmm. is that correct it is all right were so you, you born in 1997 i was two okay. <laughs> i was two um so you've been here for over 25 years at this point so let's start with your internship how did you what got you to Houchins insurance group how did you start here and what are some of the things you learned throughout that internship so i was um I was a junior at Western Kentucky University when I began my internship here. I was working nights at the Corvette plant for a company called Rider Logistics. I was living in the fraternity house, working nights, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And my younger brother, A.J., was a freshman at Western. And he called me up one day and he said, uh, he said, man, you're killing yourself. I know you are. And he said, your grades are horrible. <laughs> uh, but I was working nights and living in a fraternity house. Of course, right. my grades were horrible. Yeah. Uh, he said, man, I've got this internship at Van Meter Insurance. I don't know anything about insurance. They've got producers and marketing and a lot of other things going on. He said, I don't know anything about it, but I think you should come check it out. So I did. Uh, 
my only goals at the time were to just get some stability and normalcy mm-hmm. back in my life. Uh, so I started, I started uh, as an intern. I was working both for ERS, our TPA, mm-hmm. uh, and for Van Meter, just doing dual roles. But really back then, and I think still today, uh, the internship, my internship was about just doing whatever was asked of you. Right. Um, how do you show up when somebody says, I need you to go to my house and mulch my yard? Or mm-hmm. I used to, one of the things I had to do, let me rephrase that. One of the things I had the opportunity to right. do every week <laughs> was that there was a gentleman executive in our firm named Tim Renfro. I had the opportunity to pick him up every Monday at 5 a.m. at his house, mm-hmm. take him to the airport, and every Wednesday afternoon I'd pick him up at about 4 o'clock and uh, bring him back. And that was arduous for a college student, mm-hmm. but I got a lot of windshield time with an executive too right? and got to pick his brain when he'd actually make time to talk right. to me. Um, <laughs> and so that was great, but... But for me, it was more about the lessons I learned as an intern were just about showing up, being willing to do whatever was asked of you, uh, but most importantly, with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never knew what you were going to be asked to do each day. And and that was neat. Mr. Van Meter was still here at the time. So you, he could have you doing yard work to bartending parties to cleaning out his pool um, to running them all over the state. So mm-hmm. it was just a neat time to be here. When you were here as an intern, did you think during that time that you would be where you are now or that it would even lead into your first professional environment? You know, I I hoped for it. Once I started to get my arms around um, what we did at the time was Van Meter Insurance Agency, Mm -hmm. I really didn't know. But I knew knew it looked like something I wanted to be a part of. Right. Um, And so I hoped. I hoped through just the work we did, the attitude we had, and just AJ and I just, <laughs> we would, we would just do whatever we had to do Saturdays, right. Sundays. Uh, it was, it was a sweet season of life. I'll yeah. say that, but no, I, I really didn't have expectations, but I did have hopes. Right. Yeah. Well, and it all worked out because you and AJ are both still here. <laughs> so are. that's a plus. We are. <laughs> Whenever we talk about some of your career path and how you've gotten to where you are as a regional president now, what after your internship what took place next what were some of those steps that led you to where you are now yes I'll just kind of walk you through if okay I'll just kind of walk you through my career Um, and there was a pivotal moment early on as well uh, that really helped to form and shape the rest of the the balance of of my career and where I am today so in 1999 I graduated with a degree in finance Um, Brian Sewell was leading the surety department here at the time and that was really the only opening. And the reason I think I got the job was because I was the only one that could even point to what a balance sheet was. Mm-hmm. I may not have been able to read it very well uh, and decipher it, but I at least knew what it was. And so uh, he offered me a job as a surety producer uh, in 1999 and just had a fantastic start to my career. Um, we had one surety company in particular it was very aggressive um, and really helped us to write a lot of new business just in and around the whole state. Um, and it was, it was pretty neat. Uh, so I was in production are your goal right out of the gate is to validate. Mm-hmm. And what validation is, is when you, you build and develop a book of business large enough for the agency salary to cease and you to go hundred percent on commission. Right you are now gaining profitability back to the organization and you are no longer 
really an investment, but now you are uh, returning right. on that investment. Right. And and I got to a validated position in less than two years, um, which at the time was pretty unheard right. of. Um, and I was really proud of that. And I did that because I had a great teacher in Brian, and we had a great market. Well, this pivotal point I mentioned earlier happened in 2001. So two years into my career um, as a producer, our number one surety carrier, our most aggressive company, one day we found out they were exiting the surety business overnight. And we had a lot of our business there. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but the financial collapse of 2001 was happening all about the same time. So we had a collective book of about $800,000. Overnight, that book went to about 200000 Wow. And so if you're compensated off the size of your book, (laughs) you can imagine what happened to our compensation. Mm -hmm. So I went from having a balance in my producer account that my, my draw was taken out of our commissions go into draw taken out. It had a positive balance for some time. Um, I went from having a positive balance to owing the agency $17,000. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to a 24-year-old uh, yes. um, who was just starting to mm-hmm. date what is now his wife. Right. Um, and I was, it was just spiraling so fast. And Brian and I were on, on the road one day. Um, and I, I, it was really, let me back up. It got to be a really dark spot for me. Of course. Uh, both professionally and emotionally and mentally. Uh, And I just didn't think there was a path forward for me at Van Meter anymore. So I started, rather than cold calling, rather than working my way out of it, I started working on my resume. Mm -hmm. Because I figured, well, heck, this isn't working out. I'm going to go get into medical sales or something. Well, unbeknownst to me, Brian saw me working on my resume one day. He didn't tell me. He and I head to Nashville a couple days later. Our two client advisors uh, were based out of our Nashville office at the time. On the way back, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, we're driving up Ridgetop, and he said, so you just going to quit on me? I saw you working on your resume. Where are you going to work? And I just lost it. Yeah. I mean, ugly cry. <laughs> it just all came out. Sure. And, uh, you know, I just appreciated the grace in which he handled that situation. He said, look, he said, don't quit on me. He said, I don't know what we're going to do, but I do know we're going to work our way out of this. Um, and we did. And... Uh, so from there, so we started writing property and casualty insurance, and I'll, I'll get into some more, some real key things later about what happened in that moment. Mm-hmm. But um, I eventually took over the leadership of our surety department. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian handed that over to me as his responsibilities here were increasing. Um, and we collectively grew that department from 700000 at the time to about $2.7 million. Um, and... Let's see, 2017, there was a transition in our Nashville office. Uh, The leadership decided to move on, and I had the opportunity. I was offered the opportunity to move my family to Nashville Mm -hmm. Um, and do my best to breathe some new life and energy into that office. And um, that was (laughs) – that has been the greatest joy and also the greatest challenge in my career the last seven years. We took an office that was really struggling. Mm -hmm. The culture was pretty toxic. Um, the people had been, they had just not been treated as well as they should have over the years. Right. 
Um, there were a couple producers left in that office, Chris Simmons and Scott Short. I brought down three uh, three young men from our intern shirt, our intern program here in Bowling Green who couldn't spell insurance, mm-hmm. and we just formed a. Uh, we built an office and formed a team and just collectively put our heads down and went to work. Um, and so led been leading that office for the last seven years. And then uh, October of uh, 22 had the opportunity uh, with our growth here. Uh, Brian needed to step into additional roles. Uh, and, and we divided up the property and casualty side to north and south divisions. And he asked mm-hmm. me to step into the president role uh, of the south. So. Right. Here we are. That was a Quite long, the journey. long answer to short question. I know, it's good. We're going to dig into some of those points, um, one of which specifically being that move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. I would say that was probably a pretty pivotal moment in your life professionally and personally to pick your family up and move them down there for that. Um, I know you had two young boys at the time and your wife, and you guys had pretty much established yourselves here in Bowling Green and then took off down there so when you did that obviously to step into that leadership role was that something that you felt prepared for and that you thought was going to be a natural fit for you or did that take a lot of work on your end yes all the way around um I did feel like the time was right. Stephanie and I my wife Stephanie and I we did our boys Will and Ben were seven and eight at the time Mm -hmm. uh so that's a pivotal moment, you know, a pivotal time for them. They had they had developed roots in their school here. Um, we had been here. I'd been in this community since I was eight years old. Had a great church family, had tremendous friends. Um, but it felt like it was time for the next challenge mm-hmm. for all of us, for our family and for, for me personally and professionally. Right. And we made the decision really quickly that it was that we were going. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was ready. Um uh, <laughs> turns out uh, things are never as they seem no uh, they're never as good as they seem they're definitely never as bad as they seem and, right um i learned more about people resilience the importance of goals uh, the importance of resets along the way because mm-hmm. uh, we i guess the best way to describe how we've ended up where we are today is an office down there is we just failed forward. Yep. We made mistakes every day. But we set out a collective vision of where we were going and where we were going to take this office and our impact on the community. And we got up every day and we did absolutely everything we could to get closer to that vision mm-hmm. and to bring everybody along with us. And you look up sometimes five years later and you see the members of your team are having such a positive impact in the community mm-hmm. and they're having an impact on the customers that they get the opportunity to serve and they're making a difference every day whether that's in each other whether that's in their customers uh, whether that's in the community and it's just i just it, to me like i said earlier it, it it is the thing i'm most proud of to see what what we have collectively mm-hmm. built um, how we've done it who we've done it with right uh, it's just yeah. I just, I don't know, you see, you see me smiling, mm-hmm. they can't, but yeah. it just gives me a sense of uh, pride and fulfillment that it's hard sure. to describe. Yeah, well, and as it should, because Nashville is one of our top performing offices in the organization with a relatively small team in comparison mm-hmm. to some of our other offices. 
So you guys are killing it down there. Thank you. Yeah. So you moved to Nashville, kind of got that office back on track um, with the help of everybody else down there. So with each level, you talked about how you um, stepped into the surety management role and then into the Nashville and then obviously now over our region. What was your experience like with each increased level of responsibility? My experience. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, everybody's familiar with the term drinking through a fire hose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's always what any person who steps into a no, new role uh, experiences at first. I will say this, Natalie. The reason we've had any modicum of success in any role that I've stepped into, I give so much credit back to my mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian has been, he's been my mentor since he hired me. Um, and he's been my business partner since that day driving up Ridgetop. Uh, he has shown me how to goal plan. Um, he's shown me the importance of writing goals down, surrounding myself with people that hold me accountable. So every step along the way, I have had him to go back to and lean on in times of whether it was uncertainty. Uh, hey, every leader faces doubt. Mm-hmm. We just do. Um, but he's showed me how to be decisive and take action and move forward. And so, yes, each role has had its own set of challenges. Uh, but I'm just fortunate that I've had the mentorship from people before me that if any of those, if I'm ever not 100% sure about what direction to go, what decision to make, one of the real things that makes our organization special is we also lead communally. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can call Andy. I know that I can call Brian. I know that I can call whomever to bounce ideas off of um, to help kind of shore up the direction and and the thought process. So I don't know if that answered the question. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I guess for me, the transition from each role, though challenging, though a lot, um, it makes it a lot easier when you've got great people and great mentors around you that can yeah. that can help soften that yeah. that journey, if you right. will. Right, yeah. I imagine that, obviously, and you said that going to Nashville was the biggest step, but I know that that was not a quick journey to pull in that office out of the hole that it was kind of in. How did you stay motivated throughout that? Obviously, your mentors, but mm-hmm. I mean, you also had two young kids at home. You were doing a lot all at once. How did you stay motivated through that process? It's a great question. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a quick story um, that'll help frame this a little mm-hmm. bit. So when we agreed to move, um, Stephanie, my wife, says, Mike, five years. So I'm going to give you five years. You go do what you have to do to get this thing moving in the right direction. I'll hold down the fort. I'll let you know when I need you. You go to work. So, number one, I had the support at home that mm-hmm. made that transition easier. If there was conflict there and the support wasn't what it was, right. it would have never worked. Right. Um, number two, how did, how did I stay motivated? We burned the boats. I mean, literally, you've probably heard of that term before. Um, There was no jumping on the boat and coming back to Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. And I knew I asked a lot of people to follow me down there and help me build this office out. There was no coming back. Right. So the motivation was there is no 
there is no coming back. Right. We had to make this work. Yeah. And I think in. what really um, what really kept me motivated was I knew that I could not, as the leader of that office, I could not ask anything of anybody that walked in those doors that I wasn't willing to set the standard for myself. Right. And so whether that was production, I knew that my efforts had to lead the way and set mm -hmm. the tone and the example. Whether that was communal involvement, whether that was civic organizations, associations, they had to see me going and sacrificing and pouring into those things first. And and that's what happened. We just all did. And so I knew I had to set the standard that everybody else had to right. honestly rise up to. Yeah. And if I didn't, then it wasn't going to work. And we did. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool. But circling all the way back to the beginning, none of that would have been possible if I didn't have the support I had at home. Yeah. So... For sure. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. She pulled you through that. He pulls, she still pulls me through <laughs> stuff. Are you kidding me? In spite of myself. Yeah. Now that you're in your position as regional president, what are some of the lessons, probably maybe even the harder moments that you've had that have gotten you to this point, but that guide your actions as a regional president? Um, you know, I touched on some of those uh, before, um, you know, about, just making sure you continually as a leader mm -hmm. set the tone uh, and set the standard of excellence for work. Uh, attitude to me is so important. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody knows, everybody that I work closely with every day knows there's three expectations I have. If you wake up and you were, if we're fortunate enough to wake up, number one, and fortunate enough, number two, to walk through the doors, um, three things is all I ask for. When you walk in, have a great attitude. Number two, give me your best effort that day. Some days your effort's going to be better than others. Right. Um, and number three, be coachable. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, being coachable and being a being a lifelong learner is something that's integral in leadership. Right. Um, those are the lessons that that I've learned that I implore every day uh, that I still have to follow. Too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that that especially starts with me. Um. In the role I'm in today, uh, I'm still a producer. Right. My number one role is to produce and manage and grow a book of business. So in addition to the leadership and management responsibilities we have, I still have to produce. So my actions have to uh, align with production. Right. Uh, and so every day I find, I find five things to do every day before lunch that are production related activities for new mm -hmm. business. Uh, and those look different every day, but those are the things I have to do to stay sharp in production and to continue to set that standard of excellence for our team. Yeah. Does was that, that answer your question? Yeah. Was that a hard balance to strike for you at first, as far as management of a book and management of people? It is. Uh, and I think it is for a lot of people Yeah, because the hardest thing we do as producers sometimes is picking up the phone and calling on new business. And if you can give a producer, a reason to not do that. Mm -hmm. um, the trap is getting sucked into working on your business. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe I should re-say that. The trap is working in your business and not on your business. So you can busy yourself with work right. that's not production related to avoid the hard task. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a lot of people along the way take on additional responsibilities and their production volume drops almost instantly. Right because you can busy yourself and look like you're accomplishing a lot and really nothing's moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, so that'll take us into my our next point, which is that I know you're big on goal setting. Um, I know it's something that you offer to help members of your team and your office with. I think for a lot of people that can be hard for people that are not, you know, long-term big picture thinkers mm-hmm. because not everybody is. So for people who don't know where to start or what to do to get them started on goal setting for the year or for five years, what advice would you give them? So there's fascinating studies all around the importance of goal setting uh, and, and to what level. And then the degree of success you experience once you do uh, participate in goal setting. Number one, I would so there's one quote I think about every year, uh, right around this time of year. I set a lot of business goals for our fiscal year, which is 10 1 to 9 30, mm-hmm. October 1 to September 30th. And then I set a lot of life, personal, spiritual, financial, fitness goals for the calendar year. And so I would start with this question. This question comes from an author named Matthew Kelly. Uh, and he his quote is how do i want my life to look different one year from now than it is today and if it's not who am i going to blame and so i think about that a lot this time of years okay what do i want what do i want to look different so for me do i want to be less less soft around the edges do mm-hmm. i want to lose 10 pounds yes okay so i write down specifically i want to be x weight at this time right. um, if I want my financial condition to improve well specifically what does that look like does that look like additional money in the bank mm-hmm. does that look like just more operating margin for you personally does that look like a vacation and you write that down um, the same can go with your spiritual goals you know what what does a more peaceful environment look like for you if you want more peace in your life if you want a stronger um personal relationship with the higher power that you believe in Mm -hmm. what specifically does that look like okay so now I know that I need to spend every morning in the word I need some quiet time of prayer and reflection and I need to journal so I set goals around that Um, but really so once you figure out to me once you figure out where it is you want to be a year from now you just break those down into more manageable goals so what do I need to do this month the month of January that's coming up. Uh, what do I need to do in January specifically to be closer to my goal of losing 10 pounds? More importantly, what do I need to do the first week of January mm-hmm. in order to make improvement towards? More importantly, what do I need to do tomorrow? Right. And then I think goal setting, and it's a lot with ambition as well, professionally. Now, I think it's all about just controlling what you can control that day that aligns with your goals and moves you in the right direction. It's Mm -hmm. really that simple. If I want to lose 10 pounds, I know today when I woke up at the embassy suites here in town, I can't go crush pancakes. Unfortunately, I want to Right. more than anything. (laughs) I haven't had a pancake in forever, but no, I had to go get on the treadmill Mm -hmm. and I knew I needed to take in some protein and a bunch of water. And so the next thing I can control is what I eat at lunch. I control how much I walk. I can control how much um, I barely can control myself around junk food. (laughs) But it is that simple. And it's just controlling what we can control and and moving towards that next right decision towards the goal. Right. 
but the biggest thing in all that is just writing them down. Mm -hmm. Um, And that started that day with Brian when he and I were driving up Bridgetop. We met the next morning. He said, in my office, 7 a.m. So we got up. I met him here. We wrote down five specific goals centered around our business that we're going to change. And they were how much business we were going to write the next 12 months. Um, It was how much business we were going to refer, how much life insurance, Uh, what my producer statement balance was going to be, and how much our book was going to grow. So what our book was going to be at the end of the year, how much new business we were going to write, how much new business we were going to refer, how much life insurance, and what that producer statement balance was going to be. It was negative 17000 when I woke up that morning. Right. And we wrote down where it was going to be a year from now. And I kept that. It was on a manila folder. Back in the day, we used to have folders, mm-hmm. file folders, literally of prospects. <laughs> and I had it in my office, and I looked at it every single day. And I knew that if I saw those goals and my actions that moment that day weren't aligning with the end result, I needed to have a quick shift and go to the next activity that would. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know it, we hit every one of them. I've been doing it every year since. Right. So there's great power in writing down goals. So if you want to take it one step further, and and I started doing this with a couple guys, one of which works here, Chris Wiseman. Um, He and I and two other gentlemen that we went to church with uh, formed an accountability and goal-setting group. Mm -hmm. And we met every month, and we wrote out our SMART goals every December. We met every month. We had certain goals every month built around our bigger goals. And it was brutally honest every time we got together. But we all knew we wanted to be held to a higher standard, so we surrounded ourselves with people that would hold us accountable to that. Right. And we gave each other permission to speak truth in a spirit of love, Mm -hmm. of course, Yeah. but to really challenge us. And that's when things really accelerated for me. Right. So I just encourage people to start with goals. Whatever those are, there are no bad goals. Write them down and then have some people that can support and challenge you. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It'll change your life. You know, in a sales role, in any role, but in a sales role specifically, I know that everyone in our organization has specific goals Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, measures that they have to meet. I would say that those don't always happen. And when they don't, I can imagine that that's pretty defeating, especially for somebody who's maybe newer at it or even someone that's a seasoned sales professional to not meet your goal Mm -hmm. and the expectation that was set for you. What are some, I guess, strategies of kind of pulling yourself through that whenever you do feel defeated in that aspect? That's a great question because it happens, right? Happens to everybody. We we miss, we slip up, we have a tough month, we have a tough year. Um, Life happens Mm -hmm. that will create um, disturbances in our routines and our rhythm. My advice and what I have done when those situations have arose is I just have to reset. And by resetting for me, it's, you know, and even if it's during the week, I I would leave the office three o'clock. I'd go to a coffee shop or somewhere quiet where I can just think. And I, and I would look at where I wanted to be, the goals that I set, where we were at that point, or if we missed them. And then I look at what were my actions and the things that I could control. Because a lot of times we can't control if clients get bought Right. We can't control if someone decides not to do business with us. What I can control is how many people I called on. What I can control is a client experience with me and our team. What I can control is my actions to generate more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, 
our failure to meet our own standard of where we wanted to go, if we take a really hard and honest look at it, usually came back to something. Our actions didn't meet those desired standards. Right. So you just reset because here is the beauty of it. Tomorrow is going to be new and you're going to have another chance to create action that creates momentum, that creates the next measure of success. And sometimes you just got to take action and move forward. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. There is time for that. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's okay. Just move forward. Just take the next actionable step to get you back on the right track. Right. I think I know a lot of people talk about this generation and the upcoming generation and even my generation as a millennial um, and how we want maybe to take the easy way or take the shortcut or want to come in not at an entry level. And I think that some people may see your journey and just see the bookends of it Mm -hmm. in turn to regional president. And that's a big step. And they see that and don't know all the in-betweens that we've talked about. Um, I'd say let's take a minute and talk about how long you've been on this journey and how you've gotten to where you are through that and what you would say to someone who does come in and say, well, I want to do what you did. I want to be a regional president and maybe comes in with some expectation of that happening in less than 25 years. (laughs) I'd I'd say I'm excited for you because (laughs) it, uh, um, I love people with that kind of ambition. I just do. I think our org, I think every organization needs that. Don't be so hard. First of all, on, on the millennials. Yeah. I think, I think they get a really bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. <laughs> you all do. And, and I don't think it's all entirely fair either. Um, what I have found in working with a younger generation, um, is that success is defined differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the generation you're a part of the number one thing I've found is that purpose is more important than anything else purpose and vision and impact Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of what I have to do what I get the opportunity to do is helping to craft vision and purpose for every role Um, and we have it hey look patience yes there it takes time to go from entry-level role in our organization to senior leadership but it is absolutely possible because I promise you you hear that we all hear this a lot if I can do it anybody can do it no really (laughs) I was an average student average at best Um, but I knew how to work hard and the first thing anybody that comes into our organization we should do as a responsibility to them is make sure they have a great mentor Mm -hmm. that's ahead of them obviously and that can show them a path forward there yes there has to be a desire on their part to continually want more but why so i'll go back to the purpose why do you want that next role um and and be evaluating and thinking on that a lot um, because that's what drives you in the morning um that's a question I ask when I interview people is, hey, what gets your feet on the ground? What gets you out of bed? What is that purpose? So always be defining your purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be successful here at Houchins Insurance Group, number one, you'd be a great person. You'd be a great teammate. 
one thing that I look for when we develop talent and leaders is who's willing to do more than is expected and asked. Right. And with a great attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the three C's of service here, right? Mm-hmm. It's something we're really proud of. Um, but if that's modeled, if that's service to our client, if that's service, if we act in service to our co-owners and co-workers, if we constantly act in service to our community and doing more than is ever asked for a positive impact, I promise you, you will escalate up the ladder probably quicker than I did. Right. Okay. So as we wrap up, what would intern Mike <laughs> think to see of regional president Mike Boz? What took you so long? No, I'm just <laughs> uh, it's been a long road. I've spent more time here than I have outside of this organization. Um, intern Mike would be shocked to see where the older version of that mm-hmm. individual is today right. because I made so many mistakes early on and I was extending more grace than I ever should have been. Right. Um, which is part of the reason that, look, I just, I try to walk in a spirit of gratitude every day, mm-hmm. not just for my role here, but for all the opportunities it affords to impact other people's lives uh, and to help the people that I have a small amount of influence in somehow be the best version of themselves. Uh, most importantly, not here. Right. Most importantly, at home. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, in their community. All that feeds into being great insurance professionals. So I think Inter Mike would look at look at the forty seven year old graying, <laughs> balding um, version of of that guy today, and uh, I think he'd tip his hat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he'd also say the best is yet to come. Yeah. So, in contrast of that, if you could go back and have a conversation with that intern version of yourself, what would be the thing you would say? Make the best decision you can that's in front of you, and surround yourself with better people. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me a while to figure that lesson out. That's a hard one. Um, It is a hard one. Um, But when you realize that you really are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, the most important thing you can do is surround yourself with people you admire, respect, and want to be more like. And and maybe not be more like, but maybe emulate Mm -hmm. more in your actions. So I would would encourage that to my younger self. Um, And I would also say remember to have fun. Because the journey I've been on has been filled with more fun, more laughs, more great relationships. There are so many stories um, about various nicknames I've had, about mm-hmm. <laughs> about just uh, – I could tell you stories about us being on the road for days at a time, traveling through the southeast, just drumming up business, trying to find the, the best – barbecue restaurant in the state of Alabama I mean just (laughs) there was so much fun had and I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in where we're trying to go that we forget that the journey is an absolute blast yeah and enjoy the people you get to do it with yeah I love that yeah well Mike thank you for joining us today we appreciate as an organization 
all of the leadership and all of the qualities you bring to us and everything you have to offer. And a shout out to Mike for those three C's of service that he <laughs> mentioned. Those were bred straight from him. From our team in Nashville. Yeah. Um, but we really do appreciate everything you do. I appreciate you coming on today to talk with us and share your journey. That has been quite the journey, but um, you're doing great in everything you do, and we really appreciate it. Natalie, thank you. I really am honored to serve. Thank you. Thank you.